Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Psalm 25. Psalm 25 and verse 17. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Psalm 25 and verse 17. This is a psalm of David. A man after God's own heart. In the first part of this psalm, David makes many uh, beautiful statements concerning his trust in the Lord and desire to walk in the ways of the Lord. He lifts up his soul to his God. He testifies that he trusts in him. O my God, I trust in thee. And makes those uh, professions. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. And then desiring that the Lord would show him his ways and teach him his paths. There are many things that... Uh, evidence a real exercised soul and one that desires to walk in the ways of the Lord. And it may be as we start, as we look at a path like this, you think, well, surely such a one that is seeking to walk with the Lord, walk in his ways and has these petitions and requests before the Lord, that things would go well with them. They wouldn't have troubles, they wouldn't have afflictions, they wouldn't have things that really burden and exercise their souls and really uh, trouble them and, and cause them to be crying out for mercy and to making the statements like we have in our text. The troubles of my heart are enlarged O bring thou me out of my distresses. You would think if there was troubles, instead of them getting more and more and enlarged, they would get less and less. How many times the thoughts and expectations that we have of the Lord's dealings, of the way that the Lord would be leading us and guiding us, are not that which corresponds to reality. We think of how it was with Abraham, led forth from Ur of the Chaldees into the land that the Lord would show him off, given the promises of uh, children, his seed should be as innumerable as the sands of the sea. But then he walks this path of 20 or so years and his wife is childless. It seems so different than what his expectation was. And Jacob as well, to get to uh, such a path as to say, Behold, all these things are against me. We think then of, of Moses and having the expectation that the Lord would by him uh, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. But how is it in that way he's driven from Egypt into the desert for Forty years. And how often we think of the length of some of the times that we read of in the Word of God. Forty years. It's a long time, isn't it? Large percentage of 
some of our lives and for the young people more than their lives. Longer, 15 years longer than what I've been the pastor here. And all this time there is Moses languishing in the backside of the desert feeding sheep instead of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Very different path. Joseph found in the prison before Moses. The butler forgets him and all the dreams that he'd had, all the expectation, the path, Seems very, very different than that. We have when our Lord is born and the things that happen that cause Mary to ponder over in her heart and all that she has to see of how he is dealt with, his sufferings and then his death. The disciples, as they hear these things, they see the Lord crucified. We trusted it should have been he that should have redeemed Israel. And what they were thinking was very different than the reality. Even at the end, when our Lord was to ascend into heaven, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom unto Israel? They still had not those clear views of the spiritual kingdom of our Lord of the Lord coming again with power and great glory, that his kingdom was not of this world, that it is within his people, and that it will be at one day set up upon this world a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so we can be the same in seeking the Lord, in walking in our path, in living out our faith. There are those times that what is happening does not seem to bear any relation to our expectations or sometimes even to the Word of God because we have in Psalm 73 with Asaph how he struggled with the prosperity of the wicked they seemed to get on well. The Lord's people, they were tried, they had troubles, they had afflictions. And these things stumbled him until he went into the sanctuary of God. Then he understood their end. And it, it does us good to look at these things, these psalms, these lives of those who have gone before. And the thing that they have struggled with, we struggle with, those things that they experience, we experience as well. When the devil says, well, you're out of the secret, what you're going through is not really in accordance with the word of God, and if you really served the Lord, if you really trusted him, if you really were one of his children, then you would not have all of these things that are going on in your life at all. And yet we have David saying, oh my God, I trust in thee. And then all that follows in this psalm. Now it comes to the portion where our text is and it comes to a heart work where the Lord begins, where the Lord works in the heart. Not of course the uh, fleshly organ that pumps the blood round our bodies 
but what it sets forth is what is our real being. A true faith affects our whole lives. It's not just taking one aspect, God is love, and just joining that to all of our worldly lives. It's not just taking one aspect and saying, well, uh, just a little while on the Sunday we will worship and then the rest of the week bear no resemblance to being anyone that follows the Lord. No, where true faith is, it will affect all of our lives will have closet religion and walking with the Lord daily and we will be mindful of the Lord all the time, ever mindful that we are before him and walking before him. The way that we think will be according to the scriptures and we will seek to walk in the way that the Lord would have us to go and if that is to be so, it's not just a, an intellect, just something that we think and, and then regulate our, our lives by that. It is something that we actually feel. It is who we are and what we are in, in, in every situation. We're not changing our looks from one place to another like a chameleon, uh, changing our colour to fit in with the surroundings. We are what we are in every place, in every way where we go. With God's people and with those that are not, we, we act the same in our own denomination and amongst others. And as a preacher, to preach the same, whether we're preaching in our own pulpit or preaching somewhere else, we don't change our message just because we're in, in a different surroundings and we think well people won't receive that yes of course we don't deliberately highlight those things that are of secondary importance that uh, would grieve the people of God if we were going amongst those that uh, did not follow in that way I wouldn't go if asked to preach in a Presbyterian church and deliberately uh, speak against the infant baptism. Uh, I, w I wouldn't uh, provoke in that way where we felt the people of God were the Lord's dear people. And these things, of course, in our own churches, we would highlight the truth of believers' baptism and the error of infant baptism. But we would be as one before the Lord and bear witness to those things that the Lord has taught us in our hearts. But before us this morning is the troubles of the heart. David saying this, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. He had trouble of heart, and now instead of getting less, they're getting more. And he joins that with desire, O oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. I want to look at three points. Firstly, the troubles of the heart and those things that bring the troubles there, those that things that really touch us. And then secondly, the feelings of the heart. When those things come into our lives that 
really affect us, then what are our inmost feelings in that way? And then lastly, the things that are desired of the Lord, that desired of the Lord. And there's five things that the psalmist desires the Lord to, to do for him. But firstly, troubles of the heart. And just looking at uh, the context, those things that go before. We have in verse 15, feet in a net. The prayer is, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. I believe all that desire to follow the Lord or to seek in the ways of the Lord will find that there is a never-ending series of snares throughout this life. The devil lays snares, the world lays snares. They are like nets. We think of a net to catch a fish or a net that is cast upon an animal or even a person in wartime to entangle them and how difficult it is actually to extricate or get out of a net. And it is a very vivid and very real illustration of what we face in this life. Many, many things that will entangle us the history of the Church of God, and you don't have to read many lives of the people of God, and you find at some time or other they got caught up in something, ensnared by something, drawn away. There have been pastors that have, have done that, thankfully been brought out of them. Remember yet reading... Many years ago, one of the former pastors at Melbourne, and he got snared in some organisation and drew the church as well into it for a while until he saw through it. And these things always have a bait, always have an attraction as something that is good, is worthy, is, is worth following. But... That is what it is. It is a bait. And then there is an entrapment in it. And how many of the Lord's people, they know in their hearts, they know they would walk in the ways of the Lord. They want to. They want to be delivered from worldly friends, from associations that entrap, ensnare, that are not good, not profitable, or those things that we look at. And today, of course, on the internet, those things that we are snared with, they're like nets to us. They hold us fast. We want to be free from them, but fail to have the willpower and the strength to, to do so. They have a hold over us, an old nature. It loves those things. And these things then are like nets and our feet, we get held fast in them. Is that the case with you? Is that the case with me as we come before the Lord today? There's those things that are in our lives and they greatly affect us. And those things that 
in my view, really threaten very much our being a child of God. We realize that there are those that are held by such snares to their utter and eternal ruin. Things that they've gone in, followed on, and never ever been plucked out of. The psalmist here, he speaks of his feet in the net. And then the troubles of his heart also were affliction and pain. He uh, speaks of this. Turn thou unto me, have mercy upon me, I am desolate and afflicted. And in verse 17, verse 18, look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We are told that the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Not only is there pain of body, but often pain of mind. And those afflictions, not only are sicknesses, sometimes they are, sometimes they are infirmities, but they're those things that make up in our lives the tribulation that the Lord has said in the world you shall have tribulation. And the apostles enforced it that he must through much tribulation enter the kingdom. We are in a world that is a fallen world and under the sentence of death. We partake of it with a body of death and we are constantly reminded that one day this mortal tabernacle shall be taken down and those things that come upon us they always have an effect as how we think how we feel how we act especially of our thoughts towards God himself or may have had a physical impairment but that which he describes as the messenger of Satan A thorn in the flesh, yes, but when that thorn, when that physical affliction works in such a way that it works satanic thoughts and feelings and affections and effect in our heart, then it is a message, a messenger of Satan to buffet us. So it's those things that are going on outwardly that are really affecting us, the troubles of the heart, they are things we can't just shrug off and think, well, they are in consequence. They are not major things in our lives. They will soon come and these go. These things are things that uh, are very real things. They are things that may be bound up in our providences, bound up in our lives. Going back to the idea of the net as well, Many times we can get into things in our lives and we think, how can we extricate ourselves from them? We can't go back, we can't go forward, we can't change our situation, we can't improve it at all. And we seem to be hemmed in on every side. How solemn that so many, especially of young people, when they feel like this, feel the only way out is to take their own life. Dear friends, it is not. It is not a way out at all. 
but the way out is through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And so then we have another thing that is the troubles of the heart, and that is sin. Deliver me from all my sins. Forgive my all my sins. Sin is a trouble. Right through this psalm it's mentioned. Verse 7, Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgression. Whatever the people of God go through, if the Lord has a purpose of mercy and grace toward us, it will bring us face to face with our sins. Sin will be a real thing. Sin is the transgression of the law of God. And we are sinners. We sin because we are sinners. Not the other way around. Yes, in one sense, every time we sin, we, it reinforces we are a sinner. But you know, you wouldn't say, well, a dog is a dog because it barks. You would say that the dog barks because it is a dog. And we are sinners, so we have fallen in sin. And yet by nature we won't acknowledge it, we don't groan under it, it's not a trouble to us. But when the Lord begins to deal with us, all those things we come across outwardly in our lives, those things that especially are troubles and not pleasant to us in our lives, they will aggravate those sins. They will enlarge them. They will make them to be very real. It's like with the widow woman that Elijah was told by the Lord, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain thee in a time of famine. Famine that Elijah has said would come upon the earth until he gave word otherwise. And the Lord was working a perpetual miracle with that woman and her son and Elijah. The meal, the barrel of meal did not waste, the cruise of oil did not fail. And though that miracle was continually going on, it appears that that woman did not really view the word that was in Elijah's mouth as truly from the Lord. And yet then the Lord slew her son, her son died. And she says to Elijah, Art thou come to bring my sin to remembrance in slaying my son? It was through that trial that it brought her sin to remembrance. So no doubt with David, when he had the trials with Absalom, with Amnon, all in his family, he remembered what the Lord had said, that the sword shall not depart from thine house. Why? Because of David's sin, because of his adultery, because of his murdering Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. He was under the chastening hand of God. And every time those things happened, painful as it was in his life, he would remember his own sin. The same as Joseph's brothers. When Joseph was dealing hardly with them, they remembered back 20 years to how they dealt hardly with him and hadn't listened to him. Those troubles, those things we come on in our lives will be used by the Lord to bring our sin to remembrance. Our sin was already there, but it will enlarge it, it will magnify it. And this is the word that is here. It is 
those troubles of the heart uh, and the, the heart sins will be magnified, flared up, aggravated. The Apostle Paul, Saul as he was, he says, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Sin was already there, but it revived, it was stirred up, it was seen to be what it really was. And that by the law, sin was made exceedingly sinful. And so those troubles of the heart, when things come into our lives, sin is flared up, sin becomes very real, we become more evil and sinful in our own eyes, and life, instead of taking a nice, smooth, easy path, we see it strewn with snares, with nets and afflictions and trials and troubles. What a different path than those who say, well, you, you, you believe in the Lord, you'll have a nice smooth path. Prosperity ministry, everything will go well, everything will be good. But what a solemn thing, we go through life like that and never know the truth of our sin until the last judgment day. Never realise our need of the Saviour. Never need feel the need of mercy. Dear friends, may we look upon those outward things we come across, not as enemies, but as friends. Those things that work together for good. Those things that, yes, stir up and make to be a real trouble, deep trouble, not a superficial one, a deep one. And yet it is in those things Hezekiah he said, by these things men live, and all these things, in all these things is the life of my spirit. I always remember years ago in the car, prayer to the Lord as driving along, Lord, how much better Christian I would be if I didn't have all my sins and temptations and weaknesses. And I believe the Lord showed me if I in my own thoughts and own mind, didn't have these things. And I'd still be a sinner, a still fallen sinner. But if I could see that I was quite a good sinner, a good person, I'd have no need of the Saviour. I wouldn't be seeking Him. I wouldn't be what the Lord would have me to be as a broken-hearted sinner seeking for mercy through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Hymn writer says, The flesh dislikes the way, but faith approves it well. And so we have those things, those troubles outwardly. But then what about in our second point, the feelings of the heart? We read in the Proverbs that the Spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Some have many outward trials, but have a very strong mental constitution, 
they can look on the bright side or be upheld through them and strengthened through them so that they're able to get through. Others, it may be much lesser things and mentally they cannot cope. They cannot uh, bear with it. They cannot sustain under it. And their way of defence, in a way, is, is, is to run away with it. My own dear father, he had mental breakdown in his life and then when afterwards, when he had recovered, his way of dealing with things that got too hard was to run away from them. He realised that if he abode, if he tried to, to deal with them, then it would bring him down again. And almost a, a subconscious way of defence. And it's a great blessing to have a sound, a strong mind. But however strong we may have, when the Lord deals with us, he will bring us to have those things that deal with the feelings of the heart. And David here, he speaks in this way of what things he he actually felt and those things that he was going through. In verse 16, he says, I am desolate and afflicted. These are things that he is actually feeling. And we need to be very real in thinking of this, in those things that we go through. He not only says that, but he says that he's distressed because... He says, O oh, bring thou me out of my distresses in our text. And so that's a very strong, a strong feeling to have one that is really distressed, distressed by the things that are going through, distressed by those things that we feel within, distressed by our sins, feel desolate, left of the Lord, deserted of the Lord. And by these things, afflicted not just outwardly, but inwardly as well. It is vital that, like David here, those things that we feel, we acknowledge them before the Lord. We bring them to the Lord, we confess them to the Lord. Sometimes the devil can be very cunning as if to say, well, if you're one of the Lord's people, you shouldn't let these things touch you. They shouldn't really affect you in this way. You should be able to rise above them. It should be mind over matter. If your faith is strong, you should be able to get through these things. But the Word of God shows the reality of what is actually felt and needing for the Lord to appear and the Lord to deliver. You know, the gospel is not a self-help gospel. It is not saying, well, read this, apply it, and you'll be better. It is a looking to the Lord to deliver, and there's a great, great difference in that. The Lord says, your time is always ready, but my time is not yet. We read this solemn word where the people of God are reproved 
that they walked in the sparks of their own kindling. They made their own fire. They made their own lines. They had their own remedies. But the woman that came to the Lord that had the issue of blood for 12 years, she sought remedies for many, and she was coming to the Lord for a remedy in which she couldn't find it anywhere else at all. And so it will be with us. Those feelings of the heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, in what he has suffered for sin, in the conquest that he has made over sin and death and hell, over the grave and to rise again. What he has done, he has done it for his dear people to save them from their sins, to save them from the working of the curse throughout the world, how it then touches their hearts and lives and to be like the tree that was cast into the waters that were bitter, the children of Israel came to, and they could drink of those bitter waters. And the bitter waters of life and those things that touch our hearts and we feel to bow down under, they will be bitter until the Lord makes them sweet until he shows us and opens our eyes to see his protection, to see his working for good, to see his path. His way was much rougher, darker than mine. It is the Lord that applies the remedy and not us. And so in the words of our text, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. And these first two points to really emphasise the outward troubles, then touching the feelings of the heart and bring them all as the complete troubles and trials of a child of God. And then, in our third point, are those things that David desires the Lord to do for him. And may it be, we desire the same. May we cease from trying to apply self-applied remedies and that our whole eyes and expectation and desire is unto the Lord, that he will do these things for us. In, in Ezekiel 36, we have all that the Lord will do in changing the heart, taking away the evil heart, giving a new spirit. And he says, I will yet be inquired of the house of Israel to do it for them. All the time, the gospel is to do it for them. In Romans 8, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. And all the time, it's the Lord doing it for them. The blind men that were crying out to the Lord, our son of mercy, our David, have mercy upon us. The Lord says, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Do for thee, Lord, that we might receive our sight. How could they give themselves sight? They couldn't. And they ask the Lord to do it for them. And that is vital we be a people 
that are waiting for the salvation of the Lord, who do not have help in any other but the Lord, cannot rise ourselves, lift ourselves up, uh, look to the Lord. So I want to look, there's five things there. The psalmist here makes his prayer to the Lord and, and may that be so with us that we have that same desire. We have in verse 16, Turn thee unto me. The looking of the Lord toward his people. Turn thee unto me. Sometimes we may feel the Lord is looking away from us. He's not regarding us. He's not looking toward us at all. Now when the children of Israel first had Moses go to them, in effect, this was the message. The Lord had looked on them and had respect unto them. Yes, they were going to go through even greater trials. And being such bitterness, they would never even listen to Moses. But in the first they rejoiced. And it was that the Lord was moving. He was doing something. He was looking upon them. He was taking notice of them. You know the woman with the uh, daughter that was afflicted. When she first came beseeching of the Lord to heal her daughter, he answered her not a word. And then she cried after the disciples and they wanted the Lord to turn her away. But what a difference it was when the Lord started to take notice of her and speak uh, to her, speak about her. And so may our desire be, our prayer be, turn thee unto me. The second is to have mercy. Verse 16, and have mercy upon me. The Lord said to the one in the uh, temple that beat his breast, the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner, that he went down to his house justified rather than the other. So in all that we may feel and go through, may we ask the Lord to have mercy upon us. The third thing is to bring us out. Bring me out. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. The words actually in our text. Bring thou me out of my distresses. That in your case and mine might be very different things, but it may involve, you might say, a whole realigning of our whole life, our changing so many circumstances in our lives, so many things in our home, in our family, in the church of God, all of those things that may be causing a distress. And here is the prayer, I bring thou me out of my distresses. I cannot get out of my distresses. I know not which way to go out of them. And you know, this is joining together the, the feelings of the heart, facing up to them how they're actually felt and asking the Lord to bring us out of them. When was the last time you asked the Lord to do that? 
Or we just so bowed down, so desolate, so afflicted, so troubled, you think, well, it's useless. I, I, I haven't bothered asking. No, you are to ask. And this is what is desired of the Lord. Turn unto me, have mercy upon me, bring me, bring thou me out of my distresses. Which I can't see how the Lord will do it. You don't have to see how. David doesn't dictate here how he's to do that. When Martha and Mary had Lazarus sick, all they said, he whom thou lovest is sick, they didn't dictate what he had to do. Lord, help us to lead more to the Lord and our petitions. Here really is an outcome to be brought out of our distresses, but how it should be so, to leave it with him. Then we have the forgiveness of sins. Forgive all my sins. In verse 18, look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Something that only the Lord can do. Only our Lord and Saviour can. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When was the last time you asked the Lord to forgive you all your sins? You might say, well, David is already in this time he knows he's a child of God. His sins are forgiven. Why, why is he praying this again? Uh, there's sometimes in circles today, and, and I would leave it before the Lord as to how right it is, that there's a praying, instead of praying that the Lord would forgive us all of our sins, all of our recent sins, and in one sense, when we have received the pardon and forgiveness of our sins and then we have fresh contracted sin, we want the sense of that fresh contracted sin pardoned and forgiven. But David here, he not only just confines it to those fresh contracted sins, but he just wants all of his sins forgiven. And may we ask the same. And then the last thing that he desires is that the Lord would consider his enemies. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. A child of God always will have many enemies, many adversaries. We cannot escape them, we won't escape them. You know, David literally had Saul and then the Philistines and many that were against him. But it is the Lord alone that will preserve the people of God. And those enemies are not just outside. They're in our own hearts. They're in the church of God. They're all around. All that seek to attack and destroy. Safety is of the Lord. Safety is where the Lord is found. But may these prayers be 
our prayers. And there are others as well throughout this psalm. May we learn from the psalms, learn from the word of God how we are to pray, what we are to ask, how often we are silent, or how often it would be a reproof to us, the Lord said, thou hast not asked. Thou hast been in trouble, afflictions, and so churned up in your heart, but you never brought it to me. You haven't asked me to deliver you and to save you. But the Lord for his dear people has wrought at Calvary, accomplished salvation for them and delivered them. And in heaven he is our advocate with the Father, the voice that speaks for us. It is like Mordecai speaking peace to all his seed, like Joseph next to Pharaoh, watching over his people and doing them good. And the Lord is in that position for his people, a friend that sticketh fast closer than a brother and in a position of authority and in a position where he's already paid the debt and that he may do exceeding far above all that we can ask or even think. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Lord, that is blessing. Amen.